Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And good evening and welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you joined us and we hope that you had a very meaningful uh, Memorial Day weekend actually reflecting upon those who paid the ultimate sacrifice for the freedoms and liberties that we enjoy. Lots of patriotism all across the state and local communities. I actually attended uh, the memorial service that has taken place for over 150 years on Lake Anna in Barberton, and they dedicated a monument to one of the seven members that received the Congressional, Mem- Mem- uh, Congressional Medal of Honor from Summit County. And he was a gentleman that actually did heroic uh, feats during World War II, and he received the Congressional Medal of Honor posthumously. And here he is all these years later. They, erect, they erected a, a monument in his honor there at the uh, War Memorial on Lake Anna. With me on the phone is Pastor Al Davis, who also took in the weekend to acknowledge, as he is a veteran, he took in the time to recognize those who paid the ultimate sacrifice. Pastor Al, welcome to the program. Well, thank you, Chris. Thank you for allowing me to be on, and uh, glad that you were able to attend that uh, memorial there in Barberton. Yeah, it was you know well attended. It was great. It had the high school choir and and singing, and of course the playing of taps. And they actually did it in kind of a little unique way with an echo. There was two horn players from the ho- local high school, and uh, the way that they did that was very well done. They put a lot of pride in it, and that's really glad to see that in a local community with all that patriotism and local pride in um, uh, their, you know, those who served in their community. You know, my family and I went down to the Ohio Veterans Memorial in the wee hours of, of the Monday morning after her Sunday night radio program, and it's quite a sight to go by the wall of remembrance with the names of all of the Ohioans that have died in battle for our freedom or died actually sacrificing themselves uh, for our country's freedom. That's right. That's exactly right. Well, we want to get to a State House update and lots of things as we turn out of this uh, holiday weekend into a very short week. Things are really hopping down at the Ohio State House. Let's start out with we finally have a decision on the State House maps. That's right. The May 3rd primary on your ballot only had the U.S. Senate Congressional uh, it had local races. It had the state, of course, of governor, secretary of state, attorney general, auditor, and um, treasurer. But it did not have the state house races of Ohio House and Ohio Senate. That's because the um, political left was still filing lawsuits and calling the maps unfair and gerrymandered. And this was after the Republicans gave 10 more seats to the Democrats. I mean, they're going to have to come to terms at one some point, uh, Pastor Al, that this is a red state. We've won, uh, conservatives have won statewide elections here. President Trump won Ohio the last two elections, and uh, the statewide, uh, the Republicans have held sway. And so uh, the Democrats are, uh, you know, trying to find a way to uh, negotiate some kind of terms. But the fact is, if you go to states like New York or California or Illinois, or Maryland, those are very blue states. Uh, Republicans are on the short end of the stick there. 
Uh, unfortunately, at the, you know, for the Democrats, that is, on this, in this state, it's just the opposite of that. The Republicans pretty much hold sway at the state house. Your thoughts? Oh, absolutely. And uh, again, I would also point out the state central committee uh, uh, members are up for re-election, I believe, or nomination here in the upcoming August primary. And as a voting location manager, poll worker for Richfield Village, um, I've, I've, I've got a very uh, strong interest, vested interest in this because it directly affects what we do in running the polls to make sure that uh, people are able to get in to uh, voice their opinion through their poll, through their vote, and to be able to vote uh, uh, fairly and freely. Well, that's right. So let's make the official announcement here. Federal court issues decision on the maps. We will use the third version of the maps that were passed by the Ohio Redistricting Commission. The primary is set for August 2nd, and here's a statement from Secretary of State Frank LaRose. Boards of election to immediately resume preparations for another secure and accessible election for Ohio on the August 2nd. Ohio Secretary of State Frank LaRose issued a directive today following a federal court order to conduct a statewide primary election on August 2nd. Using the third set of General Assembly district maps adopted by the Ohio Redistricting Commission in February, the federal court recognized in its decision that Ohio voters have a constitutional right to make their voice heard in a primary election this year. This ruling is a temporary solution that follows Secretary of State and the 88 bipartisan county boards of election to conduct the election that Ohioans deserve while we not, uh, while not removing the burden on the Ohio Redistricting Commission to adopt a more permanent constitutional solution for the t- year 2024 election cycle. All that to say, folks, we finally have our maps. <laughs> We're off and running. These will be the maps that you're voting for your state representatives. Well, what do you need to do? Well, visit the Ohio Christian Alliance website, and you can click on the maps. It's right there towards the top of the page. You'll see the link there. You can review, of course, the new congressional maps, become familiar with them, and then, of course, Ohio House and Ohio Senate. And we'll have more information up about the August 2nd primary in the weeks to come. But we're off and running, and we finally have uh, the opportunity to cast our vote for representatives that we best uh, think would serve us in public office. And that's why those men and women in uniform serve us, and that's why some of them paid the ultimate sacrifices that we might have the freedoms in a representative form of government. Well, Pastor, we want to talk about what's happening at the State House because they are uh, time trying to wrap things up before the summer recess, and there's several pieces of legislation that have pretty much languished in committees over the months, uh, in fact, some of them for over a year now in some of these committees. I mean, very substantive pieces of legislation that Ohioans really want addressed. Let's take, for instance, critical race theory. Many of the listeners have heard about that, a very divisive a concept in the classroom, and it's a way to divide children. You know, as uh, Martin Luther King Jr. says, I have a dream that one day that my children will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Critical race theory by radical leftists and using that dogma in the classroom divides our children by race and ethnicity and, uh, and, and gender and by uh, religion. It's, it's just it's a very divisive thing. Your thoughts on that? We need to stop that in the classroom. Your thoughts? Oh, absolutely. And by its very nature, it's, it's, it's designed to divide. It's 
designed to cause problems amongst people. And this is contrary to what we as Christians should be focused on. And unfortunately, many churches are falling prey to adopting critical race theory or related content, even in some of their Christian schools and and even some of their uh, Sunday school curriculums. And this is a danger because God wants to bring us together in Christ. And as a believer, we need to fight against these things, uh, these divisive types of uh, uh, theories that say that uh, it's not the content of your character, like you quoted Martin Luther King, but it, rather it's the color of your skin that determines what you are. I'm thankful that uh, we have a God that doesn't look at us that way. He looks at the content, what's in our heart. And I think critical race theory is completely antithetical to the Christian worldview. Well, that's right. And that's a bill that's uh, in committee, and it's uh, actually um, in the state government committee. And so they're trying to move that bill out. I know that state uh, representative Scott Wiggum is the chairman of that committee, and he's really been trying to move it. Leadership is actually part of the problem here. What are we talking about? Well, the Speaker of the House is Mr. Bob Cup, and the Senate president is Matt Huffman. And those are the two leaders in both chambers that really are the signalmen to get votes going, get uh, to get legislation moving. And let's not let's not forget that ultimately it's Governor DeWine. Governor DeWine is the one who basically gives signals of what should pass and what should stay in committee. And this is done. You say, well, is that done in the public? No, it's done overtly. It's done behind the scenes. And the the governor has representatives, of course, at the state house talk about policy and legislation. That's uh, that's the norm. However, uh, if something's not moving, it may mean that the governor himself does not want it moving forward. And this is a political year, ladies and gentlemen. You have to consider and weigh things out. Unfortunately, we just came through a primary. Governor DeWine was challenged by two challengers, Mr. Blystone and Mr. Renacci. In fact, there were more votes against Governor DeWine than there were for him. And I think that that uh, has to cause some concern in the Republican primary for the governor, that he's underwater in that sense, that he he did not secure 50 percent of the vote, that there were more votes cast against him, opposing him, than there were for him in the primary. Now, obviously, we have a general election. He'll be up against a Democrat, a very liberal Democrat that's pro-choice and anti-Second Amendment. So Ohioans will have to make a decision at that point. But this is the time that we can get the governor's attention when we really need these pieces of legislation moving. What are we talking about? Well, maybe some of you have really seen what's happening in our culture with our young people, grooming them uh, to actually confuse them of what their gender identity is. Uh, Young men and women, in fact, in the primary and elementary school level, teaching them about LGBTQ transitioning to a different gender. Lord help us, Pastor Al, this is, this is crazy. This is insane. I think most people I talk to said, I can't recognize the world I'm living in anymore. What is going on? Your thoughts? Well, I think, you know, when we look at some of the legislation that Governor DeSantis has signed down in Florida, they recognized and called it what it is. It's child abuse. It really is. It's, it's child abuse uh, when you're taking these children and in many cases, they're being coached uh, to uh, follow these uh, transgender, gender dysphoria uh, thoughts and ideas and uh, coached into the LGBTQ uh, attitudes that, that, that these adults want them to follow. And like you said, the grooming that takes place. 
bring them in that direction, often without parents knowing what's going on. And I think this is really a case where our state needs to be involved. We ought to be uh, clamoring for our state representatives, our governor, to crack down on this child abuse. These are innocent children. And we're talking, folks, kindergarten through sixth grade and into middle school, that they are teaching this transgender studies. There's a House bill, House Bill 454. Look that up. And it's called Ohio Safe Act. And it would safeguard our children from this transgender indoctrination by the radical, perverted left. I'm just going to say that. You know, Jesus Mm -hmm. had strong words uh, when he taught, and he said of anyone offending children, that it would be better that a millstone were hung about their neck and they were cast into the sea than anyone should offend one of these little ones. And, of course, he was talking about this kind of perversion. So God himself feels very strongly about the children. Let me just tell you this. House Bill 454, Ohio Safe Act. Uh, State Representative Gary Click, a pastor, introduced this bill with other co-sponsors, and the the testimony was in committee over the last couple weeks, proponent testimony. People came in from all over, Pastor Al, and what I really was enjoying that there were people that came in who unfortunately were themselves subjected to this type of confusion, people that confused them in their minds, and they said, One young gal said, I've come from the trans community, and I want to tell you, you need to pass this bill. I was in a very vulnerable, confusing time in my life. Someone took advantage of that. I I did things that I I regret, and I have other friends who actually have had surgeries who will never, they'll now be barren. They'll never be able to transition back to their born gender identity, and now they're having difficulties uh, now, as people, they are who they are as God created them, but this kind of monsterly uh, you know, perversion, Pastor Al, is destroying people's lives, and now they want to indoctrinate our children with it. That's what House Bill 454 is all about, is banning hormone blockers. It would be banned in the state. It would also ban, Lord help us, folks, they're doing surgery on these children. They're doing surgery on people, on adults, and then they want to do them on minors, changing their gender by surgery. i got to tell you, Pastor Al, I never thought I'd see anything like this. It's ghastly. It's terrible. Your thoughts? Well, absolutely. As, as I said, it, it's abuse, and the, the government would not take steps to crack down on it. We have good bills. They're in the state house. They need to be brought up for a vote. They need to be considered. And, uh, yeah, God's people ought to be involved in this because we're talking about things that are life-changing. The effects of these surgeries, and many effects, can never be undone. And the the chemical treatments, the the drug therapies and things, they're altering children in their developmental stage in ways that we don't even really fully understand how it's going to affect them when they become adults. And then the emotional scars that we have, and, and these people who are speaking out from the trans community, warning against this, uh, we're starting to see more and more of them. It's, it's very sad to see this happening. And uh, again, uh, we need to be taking steps to protect our children in this state. That's right. And the committee was very moved by these testimonies. And of course, experts came in over in Sweden. They've been conducting studies for, they started this experiment 50 years ago. They've turned away from it. 
in Sweden, and they saw how destructive it is and the suicide rate among these young these people who have this uh, gender dysphoria or confusion. Well, folks, listen, a call to action. Call your state representative and urge them to support House Bill 454, the Ohio SAFE Act, that would ban hormone treatments and transitioning surgeries. Uh, Call your state representative and urge them to support House Bill 454, the Ohio SAFE Act. Well, we're going to have to move along, Pastor. We've got a lot to get in here. And I want to talk about the Sacred Spaces Act. Last year, uh, during the pro-life uh, anniversary of Roe, there was a pro-life event, and there was actually a service at a local Catholic church. Radical pro-abortion activists went into St. Joseph's Cathedral in downtown Columbus, a historic Catholic church, disrupted the Mass while it was going on uh, with bullhorns and profanities and signs. And this was actually on video. They, they, they were so proud of themselves. They're videotaping this. Well, when I saw that, I was shocked. I'm like, okay, we got a problem here. So I called the state attorney general, Dave Yost. He agreed with me, and neither of us are Catholic. But we went to that service on Sunday to show solidarity and support for those Christian believers. And I talked to the Catholic priest and the bishop, and they were concerned, and they were their people were afraid by that. And I said, okay, that's enough. We went down there on Sunday. The, the group did not come back. Uh, and then we made statements. We urged uh, Mayor... Um, Mayor Ginther to do something, and also the city attorney. These are Democrats now running the city of Columbus. This uh, attorney general also made statements. Well, the good thing is they did pursue that. They did an investigation. There was actually findings. Some of these people have been charged with fines. Uh, what the existing laws are on, on the books, they're misdemeanors, there's fines, uh, probation. So to their credit, they did do something. But some people say Laws have to be stiffened. You cannot have this disruption of service, and which is actually a security threat as well, when we see these shootings also taking place in churches and, of course, schools across the country. Your thoughts about the House Bill 504 Sacred Spaces Act. Your thoughts? Well, absolutely, Chris, because when we look at this, this is a concern. Uh, you mentioned what happened last year, and, of course, uh, with the uh, the leak the report of the upcoming Supreme Court decision that we're anticipating will overturn Roe v. Wade. We've already seen protests this past Mother's Day in churches, and there's threatening of more protests. As a pastor, I take that very seriously because not only have I got a responsibility for the spiritual welfare of the people who come to worship at our church, I feel a responsibility for the physical safety and, and well-being of people that are there. In fact, we recently moved into a new facility, and uh, we made efforts to improve our facility so we could keep a better eye on what's happening, because we're concerned about things like this taking place. And it's nice to see the state government uh, making some effort in this direction. Well, what are we talking about, ladies and gentlemen? You're saying, what is happening in our world? Well, when a, when a nation turns to wickedness, God will allow the hedge to come down. You say, we didn't ever have to worry about shootings in schools or this kind of violence or in churches uh, decades ago because America was more righteous. America uh, believed in God. They respected uh, religion. They respected, uh, they turned to God. But now in this time of wickedness, and actually the, the statistics show that more and more of our young people 
or don't have any church affiliation or religious affiliation whatsoever. And so in this atheistic, heathen, I would even say Satanist age, we are having real difficulties in this country, and that's why we're having to do more about security at basic places like schools and churches. Well, Pastor, I want to talk about what happened at the State House because a lot of listeners to this program know that we were on the front end of two years ago when the uh, George Floyd riots broke out across country. Columbus was not exempt, and downtown Columbus, for the first time, the State House, the first time in 163 years, became the target of some uh, vandalism that night. Uh, that was on May 28th, again on June 18th, with the painting incident that cost hundreds of thousands of dollars to clean up. And people were saying, are these people going to be prosecuted? Are they going to be pursued? pursued? And we actually had, uh, at that time, prosecutor of the county, Ron O'Brien, on the program. Unfortunately, he didn't win re-election because George Soros, uh, the radical leftist, funded a prosecutor running against him. And for the first time in 26 years, Ron O'Brien did not win re-election. He did pursue these charges. He got the investigation going. Unfortunately, we have to report that not very many of them were just let off with a very light fine or probation when they should have gotten much more serious time in jail and heavier fines. But we also want to report that on Sunday night, uh, there was a shooting and a killing on the state house grounds, Pastor Al. So we tried to warn legislators, you have to deal with this because it's not going away. And here on Sunday night, uh, a person was shot and killed on the state house grounds. Your thoughts? And you know, you look at this, Chris. It does show, like you said, the the coarsening of our society as we've turned away from God. I think the recent Gallup poll said that less than fifty percent of Americans have a house of worship that they're a member of. First time since they've been keeping this poll since the 1930s that it's been below 50%. It's averaged in the 70 percentile range. And we're seeing it in the type of people that are conducting these crimes and these shooting sprees and things. A nation that turns away from God can't be expected when God removes his hand of protection. That's what I believe. Well, that's right, and we want to direct people to our Facebook page, the Ohio Christian Alliance, and you'll see some of the articles we have posted there. We can't get to all of it. We're running out of time. But uh, two years ago, the Columbus Police Department warned us that uh, the downtown area of Columbus was no longer safe and that the State House grounds themselves were at a risk for crime and violence. And we can see that, uh, that their words and warning have actually come about. Here you have a killing. Uh, on the state house grounds, I'm not even really sure, Pastor Al, that's ever happened before. So we're we're entering new territory here, and it's not good territory. It's a time for people to pray and intently seek the face of God for our country, for our state, for our nation. Pray for those in political office, and uh, we need to seek the Lord, folks. Well, Pastor Al, thank you for joining me today, and uh, we'll have you back on. We'll talk more about this. Uh, we'll see what they are able to get done in Columbus. But, folks, call your state representative and address your concerns on this, these issues. Well, stay tuned. You're going to hear a, a uh, another program about uh, Memorial Day. And we just thank you so much for listening. God bless you all.
Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe. On D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. I'm Johnette Cruz, and I'm a busy mom. Then a friend told me about TrustBlueReview.com, a new website powered by the Christian Blue Network. She uses it to find trusted Christian-owned businesses. I checked it out, read the helpful reviews, and found a great family dentist. Now I use TrustBlueReview for all my family's needs. For peace of mind, do what I did. Visit TrustBlueReview.com or download their free mobile app from your app store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue Review. Will my kids like this dentist? Can I trust this mechanic? Who's a good choice for my upcoming remodel? I found businesses I can trust from TrustBlueReview.com. This company rebuilt our deck and renovated our bathroom. I'd highly recommend them to anyone looking to hire an honest contractor. The best dentist experience I've ever had. It's now easy to find trusted businesses in my community that have the same Christian values as my family. It all starts at TrustBlueReview.com or download their app in the App Store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue the following is a previously aired broadcast. Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And welcome to this special edition of News in Focus as we observe Memorial Day. It is coming up this weekend, and it's important for us to remember the purpose of Memorial Day. I'd like to read to you from John's Gospel, chapter 15 and verse 13. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. My son Jonathan served in the 82nd Airborne during the time of the war in Iraq. And during that time, one of his comrades, Sergeant Callahan, actually lost his life. Uh, he gave his life for others. He was actually at a crossroads uh, during one of the engagements and was uh, shielding his men. And he was watching the way, and unbeknownst to him, he was standing on top of an IED. My wife and I had the opportunity to go to his funeral, which was in the sleepy hills of Pennsylvania in the winter of that year, and he was laid to rest. This day, this Memorial Day, is for their remembrance, those who paid the ultimate sacrifice. We give time in which we do recognize our veterans. In fact, we just had Armed Forces Day, which was on May 21st, and of course in November, uh, the 11th month of the 11th hour, the 11th day, we recognize our veterans. And, of course, that was the close of World War I. 
And we call that Veterans Day. And we'll be talking about that a little later in the program and how this year in Washington is going to be a little special for all of us in Ohio who have been working on the D-Day Prayer Project. But on the last Monday of May has been designated Memorial Day. And that's when we recognize those who paid the ultimate cost uh, and the sacrifice for freedom, and that is that they laid down their lives for the cost of liberty. I want you to listen closely now as we play from a movie clip of Saving Private Ryan. And here is a segment where General Marshall reads a letter that was written a long time ago by President Abraham Lincoln. And listen carefully to this clip. These two men died in Normandy. This one, Omaha Beach. Sean Ryan. This man at Utah. Peter Ryan. This man was killed last week in New Guinea. Daniel Ryan. The three men are brothers, sir. I've just learned that this afternoon their mother's going to be getting all three telegrams. That's not all. There's a fourth brother, the youngest. He parachuted in with the 101st Airborne night before the invasion. He's somewhere in Normandy. We don't know where. Is he alive? We don't know. Come with me. All four of them were in the same company in the 29th Division, but we split them up after the Sullivan brothers died on the journal. Any contact with the fourth son, James? No, sir. He was dropped about 15 miles inland near Newville, but that's still deep behind your line. Mac, there is no way you can know where in the hell he was dropped. General, first reports out of Ike's people in shape said the 101st is scattered all to hell and gone. There's misdrops all over Normandy. Now, assuming Private Ryan even survived the jump, he could be anywhere. In fact, he's probably KIA. And frankly, sir, we go sending some sort of rescue mission, flat-hatting throughout swarms of German reinforcements all along our axis of advance. They're going to be KIA, too. I have a letter here written a long time ago to a Mrs. Bixby in Boston. So bear with me. Madam, I've been shown in the files of the War Department a statement of the Adjutant General of Massachusetts that you are the mother of five sons who have died gloriously on the field of battle. I feel how weak and fruitless must be any words of mine that would attempt to beguile you from the grief of a loss so overwhelming. But I cannot refrain from tendering to you the consolation that may be found in the thanks of the Republic. They died to save. I pray that our Heavenly Father may assuage the anguish of your bereavement and leave you only the cherished memory of the loved lost. The solemn pride that must be yours to have laid so costly a sacrifice upon the altar of freedom. Yours very sincerely and respectfully, Abraham Lincoln. 
And that is from the movie clip Saving Private Ryan. And we are recognizing Memorial Day this week. You know, there were actually five brothers who died in World War II. They were the Sullivans, and they served on one ship together. After that, and it's referenced in that clip, that they broke up uh, family units. They didn't want them to be in the hot zone altogether, as it were. And actually, the Sullivans went down on the USS light carrier Juno as it was struck twice in engagement with the Japanese and the uh, second torpedo hit and the ship uh, exploded and went down very quickly, killing all five of the Solomon, Sullivan brothers. And so after that, the policy was to divide up uh, brothers who were trying to serve in the same units so that uh, a family would not receive that much grief. Well, the D-Day Prayer Project is an effort uh, to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. Many of you have been listening to us. Now it's an 11-year-old project, and you're about to hear from Congressman Bill Johnson, who was our original sponsor of this legislation, to add the prayer at the memorial, and then also Senator Portman, who became the chief sponsor of S-1044, which became law and is the World War II Memorial Prayer Act. And that was signed in law in June 30th of 2014. And since that time, we've been raising the funds, and we're going to give you an update uh, from Congressman Johnson and Senator Portman that they delivered at the recent Ohio Christian Alliance Freedom Banquet. And uh, we are very excited to announce to you that construction will begin in July with a dedication date of November of 2022 of this year. Let's go right now to Senator Portman as he presented this update to the attendees at the recent Ohio Christian Alliance Spring Freedom Banquet. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Rob Portman. I really wish I could be with you tonight at the Ohio Christian Alliance's Freedom Banquet in Columbus, but I'm with you in spirit. Special thanks to my friend Chris Long for the invitation to join you, at least virtually, and to give you an update on a special project we've been working on in partnership for many years now. And that's to permanently inscribe Franklin D. Roosevelt's D-Day Prayer at the Circle of Remembrance right next to the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. Some of you have seen it there. It's actually the only prayer on the United States Capitol Mall. As many of you know, Franklin D. Roosevelt delivered this prayer to the nation on the morning of D-Day, June 6, 1944, when the invasion of Normandy began. It was expected that FDR would give one of his famous fireside chats from the White House that morning. Instead, he was moved to prayer. Chris first came to me with the idea of placing this plaque near the World War II Memorial. I thought it was a great idea because it adds some context and interpretation to that beautiful memorial. And because the D-Day prayer is such a powerful statement, one of my favorite presidential statements of all time, it needs to be deserve, it deserves to be remembered for generations to come. So I authored what's called the World War II Memorial Prayer Act with my partner in the House, Representative Bill Johnson, to direct the Secretary of the Interior to install a plaque at or near the World War II Memorial with the words of that D-Day prayer. This, again, would be the first reference to God at the World War II Memorial and the only prayer on the Mall. Since that legislation was signed into law in 2014, we have worked with the National Park Service, the Friends of the National World War II Memorial, and two federal commissions who are in charge of this, the Commission of Fine Arts and the National Capital Planning Commission, all of which are required to approve any permanent structure on the National Mall. 
There have been delays due to some fundraising and more recently supply chain issues and increasing costs for the materials. But the prayer is there now on a temporary basis. It's beautiful. And it looks like it's soon going to be there on a permanent basis. We have made significant progress on moving that forward. And I hope that we're soon going to see us accomplishing our goal and getting the prayer there in a permanent way. I want to thank Chris and all of you for your support over these years. We are optimistic that this year the permanent plaque will be installed. The most recent update we have from the Friends Group is they anticipate the construction of the plaque with the prayer and the circle of remembrance to begin this July and be ready to go in November. I am really excited to see the finished product later this year. And again, I want to thank Chris and the How Christian Alliance's continued advocacy to keep this project moving forward. Meanwhile, if you're ever on the mall, go just north of the World War II Memorial, Memorial to the Circle of Remembrance, and you will see the prayer there. And you will read those words, thanking God for protecting our troops, asking for God's grace as World War II progressed. It was an amazing prayer, and it's one that needs to be remembered for generations to come. Thanks. God bless you all, and Godspeed in your important work. And we thank Senator Portman for the commitment he made legislatively to get this thing through Congress. And, of course, uh, one of the miracles along the way was a unanimous consent on the 70th anniversary of the D-Day landings. Senator Portman's office called and said, Chris, the senator is going to attempt a unanimous consent to move the bill out of the Senate and onto the House and you know what a unanimous consent means. <clears throat> it means that all 100 senators have to concur. And he called me back later and said, I have momentous news. It passed by unanimous consent, which is really a miracle when you think about it, folks. Everybody has to be in agreement. If there's one objection, it's got to go back to the committee process. But it did pass on the 70th anniversary of the D-Day landings. And actually, during that 70th anniversary, one of our Ohio veterans um, he actually uh, uh, jumped out of the plane in Normandy. He, I think he was like 93 at the time, and uh, he was uh, doing a, a remembrance uh, jump. Of course, he had some assistance, but he did at age 93, uh, jumped again. And so what a, a great, uh, you know, great thing that uh, all of this got done. And then the House concurred, and then President Obama did sign it on June 30th of 2014, and then we were off and running for the design, the fundraising, and then, of course, construction will begin in July. Now let's hear an update from Congressman Bill Johnson, who was our original sponsor in the U.S. House, and, of course, it was the first bill that he authored when he got to Congress back in 2011, and that's right. He references that this has been an 11-year project. Well, the Bible says that through faith and patience, we inherit the promises, and again, all of this is for their honor and their memory. Let's listen to Congressman Bill Johnson. Hello, everyone. I'm Congressman Bill Johnson of Ohio's 6th Congressional District. And thank you for coming out tonight to the Ohio Christian Alliance's annual Spring Freedom Banquet. I really wish I could be there with you in person, but Congress is in session and I'm here in Washington, D.C. So 11 years. Wow. That's how long it's taken to get us to this point. And that's how long ago it was when the World War II Memorial Prayer Act journey actually began. The World War II Memorial Prayer Act was finally signed into law in 2014. This was one of the first pieces of legislation I tackled upon being sworn into office in January of 2011. 
I'm so proud to have teamed up with Chris Long and Senator Rob Portman to help make this happen. But the project didn't just require legislation. There was a financial component to it. So most importantly, I'm proud to have led a group of individuals, including many of you in the audience tonight, who made small contributions to get us where we are today. The groundbreaking is scheduled to start very soon, and the dedication ceremony is on track to take place this November. Simply put, Senator Portman and I may have gotten the legislation passed, but it was your effort and the grassroots work of the Ohio Christian Alliance that got us to the finish line. The legislation stipulated that no public funds could be used to install the prayer inscription at the World War II Memorial, so we had to do it on our own, and we did. But what exactly did we do? On June 6, 1944, on live radio, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt asked his fellow American citizens to join him in prayer as American troops were landing in Normandy, launching one of the most dangerous and complicated operations and starting one of the most bloody battles of World War II. Knowing the terrible odds our troops were facing as they crossed a quarter mile of open beach under heavy Nazi fire, President Roosevelt beseeched God, on behalf of an anxious nation in one of the largest mass prayers in history. Once FDR's D-Day prayer is installed at the World War II Memorial, it'll serve as an important and meaningful addition to the memorial, which is visited by more than 5 million people each year, providing a space to reflect on and to remember the more than 400,000 American souls lost during the war. We are fulfilling the promise we made to the veterans to get this project done. But we couldn't have done it without your financial and prayer support. So thank you for supporting both this project and the critically important mission of the Ohio Christian Alliance. God bless. And that was Congressman Bill Johnson of Ohio's 6th District, the original sponsor of the D-Day Prayer Project in the U.S. House. Of course, Senator Portman before that, the main sponsor in the U.S. Senate. And of course, here we are almost at the finish line. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe. On D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. Will my kids like this dentist? Can I trust this mechanic? Who's a good choice for my upcoming remodel? I found businesses I can trust from TrustBlueReview.com. This company rebuilt our deck and renovated our bathroom. I'd highly recommend them to anyone looking to hire an honest contractor. The best dentist experience I've ever had. It's now easy to find trusted businesses in my community that have the same Christian values as my family. It all starts at TrustBlueReview.com or download their app in the App Store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue Review.
Well, just in a minute, we're going to hear the prayer itself. As, as FDR prayed with the nation on the evening of the uh, D-Day landings, of course, uh, the day was closing out, which was the longest day, as uh, was depicted uh, by General Bromwell, who said, when they do come, it will be the longest day for both sides. That day was about to close out. Is it about midnight uh, in France? And yet it was about 6 p.m., uh, back here in the eastern seaboard, and that's when the president went to the airwaves with this prayer. Ladies and gentlemen, the president of the United States. My fellow Americans, last night when I spoke with you about the fall of Rome, I knew at that moment that troops of the United States and our allies were crossing the channel in another and greater operation. It has come to pass with success thus far. And so, in this poignant hour, I ask you to join with me in prayer. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. Lead them straight and true. Give strength to their arms, stoutness to their hearts, steadfastness in their faith. They will need thy blessings. Their road will be long and hard. For the enemy is strong. He may hurl back our forces. Success may not come with rushing speed, but we shall return again and again. And we know that by thy grace and by the righteousness of our cause, our sons will triumph. They will be sore tried by night and by day without rest until the victory is won. The darkness will be rent by noise and flame. Men's souls will be shaken with the violences of war. For these men are lately drawn from the ways of peace they fight not for the lust of conquest. They fight to end conquest. They fight to liberate. They fight to let justice arise and tolerance and goodwill among all thy people. They yearn but for the end of battle, for their return to the haven of home. Some will never return. Embrace these, Father, and receive them, thy heroic servants, into thy kingdom. And for us at home, fathers, mothers, children, wives, sisters, and brothers of brave men overseas, whose thoughts and prayers are ever with them. Help us, almighty God, 
to rededicate ourselves in renewed faith in thee in this hour of great sacrifice. Many people have urged that I call the nation into a single day of special prayer. But because the road is long and the desire is great, I ask that our people devote themselves in a continuance of prayer as we rise to each new day and again when each day is spent let words of prayer be on our lips invoking thy help to our efforts give us strength to strengthen our daily tasks to redouble the contributions we make in the physical and the material support of our armed forces. And let our hearts be stout to wait out the long travel, to bear sorrows that may come, to impart our courage unto our sons, wheresoever they may be. And, O oh Lord, give us faith. Give us faith in thee, faith in our sons, faith in each other, faith in our united crusade. Let not the keenness of our spirit ever be dulled. Let not the impacts of temporary events of temporal matters of but fleeting moment, let not these deter us in our unconquerable purpose. With thy blessing we shall prevail over the unholy forces of our enemy. Help us to conquer the apostles of greed and racial arrogances lead us to the saving of our country and with our sister nations into a world unity that will spell a sure peace a peace invulnerable to the schemings of unworthy men and a peace that will let all men live in freedom reaping the just reward of their honest toil. Thy will be done, Almighty God. Amen. That is the D-Day prayer, and we ask you to remember Memorial Day for what it means for those who paid the ultimate sacrifice. For more information about the project, go to the website D-Day Prayer Project. God bless you, and God bless all of those who have paid the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom. You have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, President of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. Thank you for listening. 
This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.